Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Well, tonight I want to talk to you because I'm not preaching on love, but I'm not going to lie, this is a little bit of a setup. So what I'm going to preach tonight is probably going to show back up somewhere. Because I cannot do love till next week, so I have to preach. And I said, Dad, what do I say? It's just one service. Because I'm really ready to preach on love. And he says, you just say this. He said, like the Father. Now look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. He said, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Um, As a pastor for... Uh, In this location, 18 years, pioneering this church, started it, right? Um, But been in ministry for almost three decades now, okay? Um, One thing that becomes quite grieving to my ears is to hear Christian cliche, okay? And that is, I'm a follower of Jesus. But they don't even know what Jesus did. They don't even know who he is. Other than he died on the cross and rose from the grave. They don't know what he sounds like. For many of them, he's this mystical figure, to be honest with you, that just comes in, swoops in, and takes care of a problem when the problem's really there. And then swoops away. Now, you need to understand this. In the world... The majority of believers are going to function like most documented covenant children are. And I'm talking about in the Bible. We have a whole history book of covenant children and how they function with the God that's not in the earth. That they can't see based upon the spirit. And that is when trouble comes, they go to him. That is going to be the majority of the children of God in the earth. Unfortunately, even today, when tragedy hits... We go to God. Now, I'm be honest with you. It was, I was excited. I didn't see it personally. Pastor Mark texted me. I was away from the TV concerning the Monday night football game. All right? But because an athlete at 24 was in a condition that no one can help, there's still an awareness that somebody outside us can. And those that believed did what should be done in tragedy. Cry out. I mean, I saw a clip. My wife showed me a clip today of literally on ESPN. They're praying. Now, they didn't say his name. They said in his name. Now, I know who his name is. But not everybody on ESPN that's listening knows the name. So we need to say the name. Just say the name. Okay. My, but I applaud at, mid, at least. And that particular athlete, this is how people respond in tragedy. He had a foundation for his hometown to raise toy to get toys because he was in poverty. He had raised three thousand dollars we see this incident within 24 hours five billion dollars was raised 
Now, at the end of the day, the foundation is going to do it for a good cause. But my, on my end, I'm like, the guy has to die on the field to get the money. The vision and the purpose wasn't enough. A tragedy had to show up. He basically has to die, come back, die again, and now he's in critical condition. So I know those are guilt offerings. Because all the world feels guilty about things going on in their lives. Now, there's nothing wrong. I have no nothing about the individual. I applaud again that at least our nation, once again, again, when 9-11 hits, we're going to pray. I mean, when tragedy, we're going to pray. You know, a, a, a mass shooting at a school, we're going to pray. All of a sudden, we pray. I mean, why don't we do things? We have to understand that we got to get a remnant of us that know who we are and function in the Father's business all the time and not wait till tragedy shows up. Because when you're about the Father's business, we can actually thwart some things, even, to help the process. Amen. And, and I pray he recovers. And we may never know the truth of what happened in the first place. And honestly, whatever. I mean, it's his own personal medical issue. I don't need to know. I just pray that there's something there that the Lord definitely would. But at the end of the day, that's between him and God now. Right. And people are interceding. I get it. And we pray for the family. But, you know, there are plenty of people that are having tragedies. I mean, you know how many murders are taking place right now? Right now. You know how many people are going to die tonight? I mean, there's a left going on in Chicago right now in Detroit. Where's the vigils? Perspective. Good news is our nation still knows there is something bigger outside them. But the church has not done a great job in the U.S. to demonstrate what Jesus did. And that's because we want to go to heaven. And the Lord really wants to keep us in the planet for a purpose. Because heaven's not what we're trying to gain. Sonship is what we're trying to gain. Right? So again, let's look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And he said to them, now Jesus is a youth, okay? He's not an adult at this time. And as you know, they went into town and... Joseph and Mary thought he was with relatives, so when they were all leaving, they thought he was with someone else, and they get three days in and realize Jesus is not around. So then they have to go back to town, and they're looking all over the place for him and find him in the synagogue. Now, he's in the synagogue with the, uh, you know, those that were teachers of the law, and he's explaining to them what the Scripture means, and they are blown away, Okay. Now, that tells us then Jesus was a studier of Scripture. I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus studied Scripture. 
So if you're a follower of Jesus, the first thing you have to do is you have to study scripture. Because Jesus literally says that he found himself in scripture. It was as he was reading the word he began to realize. <clears throat> That's me. I am this. They're talking about me. He is the, uh, the man who knew no sin, who became sin. He is the son of God. He had the, he, he was without sin in that time frame. There was a, a, a opportunity for him to have scripture, no issue. He had no sin context. Although when I say that he, um, was tempted on all accounts like us, but his, his life was alive so he could understand the word. And he began to find himself and he studied it and he knew it as a teenager. And our teenagers are very proficient at TikTok. But we're a follower of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Yes. Okay. So Jesus says, didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business? Well, what's the father's business? Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? What is the father's business? I mean, we have so many assumptions going on in the church today that we're assuming we know exactly what's going on. And I have come to find out there are just some really very basic things that will cause you to be absolutely devastating for the kingdom of darkness and a champion for God. But the problem is it's just not glamorous. There's no glamour about it. It doesn't fit the American mold of what church should be. But God's not concerned about that. God's concerned about his way of communicating, demonstrating his kingdom. And Jesus is the example, yet we call ourselves followers, or, you know, the church in general will say, I'm followers of, of Christ, but we don't do what Jesus did. So Jesus obviously was a studier of scripture. We know this because when he was tempted of the devil, what could he say? It is written. So we know how Jesus attacks the devil. He doesn't cry. He never once prayed to the father to get him off the mount, the will, get him out of the wilderness. He never did that. He never said, oh, father, don't you see he's here talking to me? Do you see what he's doing to me? Will you get him out of my way? I mean, people pray like that. Oh, Lord, we got this problem. Lord, just remove the problem. Lord's like, man, if you had some scripture in your mouth right now, you could take care of that problem. Because again, when you say his words, he enacts it. It's his power doing it, but he's not doing it till you say something. Again, let me bring it down to very simplicity because this is not comp, um, rocket science. Okay, this is not complex. When we became born again, all of the power to forgive you of all your wrongdoing has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus that's been poured out on a mercy seat in heaven. Yet it stays in its power position, not active in your life until you release some words that the Lord through the Holy Spirit says you must do in order for the power to manifest. You must believe in your heart Confess with your mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, it was your mouth, your faith, your releasing that then caused God to get involved with that word and cause your spirit man that was dead to be driven out of your body and put a brand new spirit on the inside of you. Then the Holy Ghost came and showed up on the inside of you and says, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. Now, it's a child of God. Heaven or earth doesn't matter. I'm the child of the king. But the power did not happen until I did the word. Until I believed it and said it. Now, I didn't even have to understand it. I just believe. I, I mean, how can, I can't even comprehend how blood from another human being over 2,000 years ago has the capacity in another realm on a mercy seat be able to cause the spirit that was dead and could not talk to God be ripped up out of this skin suit and get a whole new one. And how that whole little exchange took place, I couldn't see it, although I was there. I felt it. Now, when I say I felt it, I didn't feel like suck up out of my body, right? And then the next one came in. I'm like, I'm different. No, I mean, it was like, I'm different. I mean, it was so quick. I mean, like a moment, uh, the twinkling of an eye, so to speak. It was so quick. It's like, dude, I know I'm, I'm different. I am different. Now, I look the same on the outside, and my thinking sure is still pretty jacked up. Right. But I know I am different. And man, if somebody came in and shot me right now, I'd be present with the Lord. I know that I don't have no guilt. I'm so I'm so light now, even though I weigh the same. The guilt was gone. The shame was gone. Right. I mean, it was like amazing. Then the work started. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Jesus is without sin, but had to study. Jesus had to speak. Okay, let's go on. So he's about his father's business. Well, what's his father's business? His father's business is really easy for us to determine. Okay? It's not complicated. Let's go on to Luke chapter 4, I mean John chapter 14. We'll start in verse 6. John chapter 14, starting verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I love this statement because Jesus doesn't make things complicated. Well, how do you know that Jesus is the only way? He said it. <laughs> he said, broad is the way, narrow is the way. Oh, man, you, it's so, you're so narrow-minded. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, it doesn't take, I mean, if there was like this huge, where do we get in at? But then you see this one skinny little, ah, that must be it. It's like a straight line. I mean, God just draws a straight line. Here it is. He takes out all of the issues that make it complicated. So I am the way, not a way. He's not a way. He's the way, the, he's the truth, because truth is not words alone. Truth is a spirit. It's a person, okay? He's the life, which means if you're not with him, you're not living, even if you're breathing. And no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, he says, you would have known my Father also. For now, you know him and have seen him. Now, Philip, 
And we know Philip has some challenges. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. And it is enough. Again, it's Jesus like, wow. Okay. Verse nine, Jesus said, how have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip. That, that sounds like a little frustration. Now, that doesn't mean it's ungodly. He's just like, seriously? I mean, how long have I been with you, Philip, and you can't figure this thing out? Really? Wow. He goes on to say this then. Um, he says, he who has, has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is? Notice that now. Do you not? That I'm in the Father and the Father is what? In me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, Believe because of the works themselves. Now you understand, Jesus, the way he lived, and the Bible says he was full of grace. So apparently Jesus didn't understand his own doctrine. Because most churches today, the minute you're in grace, you're out of works. Yet Jesus like, you don't believe me? Believe the works. So there is works associated with grace. Grace doesn't mean we do nothing because we couldn't do nothing. Grace means you couldn't do nothing. Guess what? Now you can do something. Right? I mean, it's like someone unemployed, right? They don't have a job. You know, I, I have no money. And you say, okay, fine. Uh, you're hired. Now you're an employee. And, you get a, and then they're at like, well, I can't. You're employed now. You do have. You can't keep saying what you were when you were unemployed. You're employed. Obviously, when I was outside the kingdom, there's nothing that I can do to be right with God. But the blood brought me in and now I can be right with God and do like Jesus did. Which means Jesus, let's go on and read it, you know, just so we won't get... Don't throw too many things at me right now. He says this. He says, believe the works themselves. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. What did Jesus say you're going to do? You're going to have some works. And greater works than these. He will do because I go to the Father. And the minute we reduce the Bible to just telling people that they need Jesus to save them so when they die, they go to heaven, we reduce the whole scripture to every other religion on the planet. Where are you going to go when you die? Which, at that point, it's like, well, maybe Hinduism is right. Because we're asking the same question. Where are you going to go when you die? Maybe Buddhism is correct. Because we're asking the same question. Where are you going to go when you die? Because there's something we have to do here to determine what's going to happen there. But the Lord's like, I'm not asking you the question, where are you going to go when you die? I'm asking you, do you want to become a son now? Yeah. 
so I can come and live in you and do something in you and demonstrate to the rest of the people that we already connected. And I don't have to get you out of there. I mean, seriously, how many people in this building right now thinks that if Jesus Christ came back to the planet, started walking around, somebody could take him out? Anyone? Do, would we consider him the most powerful man on the planet? If God the Father came down, do we think anyone could take him out? Would he be able to navigate this situation no problem? Then why do we think we can't? Because it's Christ in you. You have the third person of the Godhead. So there's nothing going on in the planet today that we cannot navigate because we have God on the inside of us. In fact, the scripture says, what can man do to you? In fact, Jesus said, don't even be afraid if somebody kills you. Don't be afraid of that. He said, what you need to be afraid of is the one who can cast you into the lake of fire. Well, that happens to be my daddy. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm already living eternal life. I'm living eternal life now. I'm around sin because the world's still in a fallen state and they're still sinners. But I'm living eternal life. Amen. Now, I'll get more disconnected from the effects of sin and the, the atmosphere of sin as we continue to progress. And it's going to be far better. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, I'm alive unto God. God lives in me. I talk with him. He talks with me. I can say things, believe, act, and God can demonstrate through my life. I mean, really, what are we waiting on? Jesus understood this principle. I'm, about, I'm doing the Father's business. He goes on and says in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. One translation, you'll keep my word. Well, why is that important? Because Jesus himself said in verse 10, he says, I, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. You know what the father's business is yet? John chapter 10, let's start in verse 30. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 30, it says this, I and the father are one. You know, there's an expression, chip off the old block, Right? That's like the son is just like the father, right? Uh, Cant uh, John Cantrell, y'all know who's here at our church. Um, unfortunately, back years ago, I think it was 2005, six, uh, somewhere in those years, um, his brother and father died on the same night. His brother was a police officer and his father was riding along. And he got a call, and he went to turn around, and he was flying down the road, and a car pulled out. And to avoid it, he went out of the way, and it fell into a, a, a ditch that was deep, and they instantly died. So John, because I worked with him at Hilti, he calls me, and he says, Pastor, I want you to do the funeral. Now, I've never met his father or his brother, ever. I said, sure, man. I mean, it's tragic. This is back in Oklahoma when he was living there. So, you know, I flew out, and 
met with the family and, you know, asked them questions because, you know, I'm doing a funeral for two individuals. I don't know. The only person I know is John. I never met his mom, sister, no, nobody, family, nothing. Well, comes to find out, bro, Pastor Hagen, his wife, Lynette, her brother was related to the family. So when the funeral comes on, which he's a police officer that died, so this is a packed house. I mean, I'm going in the funeral you know, procession, and there's people lined up along the road. I'm like, wow, Lord, I need your help, you know, because I'm doing a funeral for a couple people I personally do not know. And so um, I'm up on the, and Pastor Hagen walks in. I'm like, wow, I'm preaching a funeral in front of Pastor Hagen now. His whole staff was there. You know, I, I mean, I'm newly, you know, graduated just five years ago. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're like, man, you sure, don't, you sure want to hope the president of your university hopes you don't flop on this deal when you have no idea about the individuals and both caskets are out so you know I'd been listening and there was you know things that was happening singing and stuff and I'll never forget because I had nothing I mean I'm sitting on the platform nothing thank God for the Holy Ghost now I'm a man of faith so I, I, I can thrive in these situations because at the end of the day I know God will not fail so, you know, I don't get anxious and like, I don't have nothing. I'm like, Lord, I, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And, and, and it was time for me to get up, right? And then there was, you know, some, um, oh, uh, how do you say it? Things you just have to do, you know. Um, I can't think of the word right now. But anyway, uh, we did those particular elements. But now it's time for me to minister. And when I got up to minister, the Lord says, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Because that's really what I heard. I mean, honestly, that Son was just like his dad. And so I preached that. And you'd have thought that I knew them personally and everybody thought I was intimately acquainted with them. But that's the Holy Ghost, right? Thank God for the Holy Ghost, because he knows. Well, you understand, you can't separate Jesus from the Father. So if you want to know who the Father is, you have to examine the Son. Because Jesus says, you've seen the Father because of me. Okay? So when he says, I and the Father are one, this is really important, because Jesus had this desire to only function so that when you saw him, you actually didn't see him. You saw his father. I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay. So who are we seeing when we see you? Because if I walked up to some Christians and I'm like, so that's what my daddy looks like? Just say amen anyway, right? I mean, I know you want to humanize yourself. Well, you know, but I'm not God. You're a child of God. You are in Christ. As the son is in the father, you're in Jesus. When the father sees you, he sees Jesus. So do you look like him? Do you look like him? 
series really aggravating me. It's really been listening to way too many of my conversations and like talking back. We cannot tolerate talking back. That is disrespectful. It's time for me to get a non-Apple watch and wear it while I preach. Hallelujah. He said, I am the father of one. He said, the Jews picked up stones uh, again to stone him. Jesus answered, I, show, I showed you many good, what? From the father, for which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, for a good work, we do not stone you. So did Jesus do good works? Okay. But you blaspheme because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered, has it not been written in your law? I say you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of, I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the so that you may know and understand that the Father is in and I in the Father. You know what? The Father wants his kids to demonstrate him so much that the lost and dying world may not believe what you're saying, but they cannot refute what's happening in your life and out, and out of your life and the product of your life. Now, again, what was the work Jesus doing? He's only healing the sick, casting out devils. Raising the dead, multiplying fish. Right? He's only doing, but again, all those things he's doing, what did he say? He says, and I'll go ahead and jump to it. Look what it says here in John 12, just so you'll understand that when Jesus is doing all those things, he says, for I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what to say and what to speak. I know that, know that his command is what? Eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So when he says, what do we have? Dad said, ask him, what do you have? Well, we found five loaves and two fish. The Lord said, that's enough. That's enough. You understand? Jesus can hear it by the Spirit. So he says, sit down. And then the Lord says, sit down, bless it, start to show. He gives him the plan by the Spirit. Just because it's not audibly heard to the 5,000 men doesn't mean Jesus decided, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do this. Because Jesus is not waving a wand. Jesus is doing the business of his Father. The Father's business, in simplest terms, is just doing what he says. If you don't do what he says, then you're not about the Father's business. Now, you may be about your Christianity, but you're not about the Father's business because the Father's business is only one business. He's only in one business. Making sure his word comes to pass. Are you... Father has one business, 
making sure that his word does not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. I'm going to prove it in the next few weeks, man. I'm telling you. The Bible says God has even exalted his word above his own, which tells me your name is not more important to Jesus You want me to give you a little teaser, a little trailer for next week? God loves his word more than he loves you. But we've preached the Christianity of God's love as if we are the object of God. Now, God loves you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't love you. But he loves his word. And that's his business. Because the king's business is to guarantee whatever he says. Hallelujah. Come on, Anchor Faith Church. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to get a little bit deeper. Right? Well, let's give us some deep stuff, Pastor. Okay, we're going to give you some deep stuff. I mean, it's really not deep. In my personal opinion, it's not deep. Okay, but it's definitely not religious. It's not religious. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So again, Jesus says, look, doesn't your own law say that you are God's? And at the end of the day, you're upset at me only because what's happening. I'm only saying what dad told me to say. If dad said that I'm his child, then I'm going to say it. I'm a son of God. Has he called you that? Yes. Siri talking to y'all too? Yeah, sound. Well, you may have to put Siri out in the building. I'd cast her out, people. I'd cast her out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Maybe Siri needs to get saved. And get the whole organization saved. Hallelujah. And then they put the piece back in the apple. Just kidding. There's no scriptural evidence that it was an apple. But it is interesting that it's one bite out of a fruit. I'm not here to get you into conspiracies. Just leave it alone. I have an apple, so... But I'm redeemed. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus was about his father's business. That's why he's in the synagogue, because he wants to be around Scripture. Because he wants to be around the Word, because the Word's life. And then he only wants to say what the Word says, because that creates life, and it resolves problems. The father's business is not winning the lost. The Father's business is to uphold His Word. And for you to speak His Word to someone outside His kingdom as He instructs you to do so. But what will cause them to do more is when you demonstrate it. Jesus' demonstration of the kingdom, because He had the audacity to
to actually believe that him and the father were one. And he believed that when I say what dad says, it has to happen. And it did that the crowd showed up. Supernatural things took place. We have reduced Christianity to a confession that may not even have belief with it. Because when you start taking so much out of the scripture, you make it religious anyway. And at the end of the day, you can say something with your mouth, but your heart be far from it. And you're just a religious person. Okay. So I, I, I get concerned about people who've, made, who've confessed Jesus as Lord. Because if they're not living a life in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist said to the Pharisees, the religious ones, he said, you brought a vipers who warned you of the day of judgment. And then they went talking about, you know, a, you know, Moses and all. He said, well, then live a life in keeping with repentance. I don't see you demonstrating it. Now you aren't running around telling everybody what to do. Even Jesus said, do what the Pharisees say, but don't do what they do. Don't live their life because they're hypocrites. But the word they say is life if you'll believe and act on it and it will work because God always performs his word. I'm going to say it again. Always. So don't come to me to your experience where someone believed God his word and it didn't work. You might want to question something else before you question God. Because I am amazed. We say, again, this is religious cl cliche, right? God's all-knowing. God's without fail. God's all-powerful. But Aunt so-and-so was believing and God didn't do it. Well, would it be more easy for me to think maybe Aunt so-and-so didn't have something that allowed it to happen before blaming God? And then we take it out of context. Oh, but he's sovereign. His ways are higher than our ways. We worse in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. He does not work in mysterious ways. He works in calculated ways that always come to pass. Always. But again, it's easier to develop a doctrine when you're not in Scripture that fits your feeling. And you're unknown than it is to go and ask the tough questions. Hallelujah. I know some people have gone on to be with the Lord because they had hatred in their heart, unforgiveness in their heart. But on their bedside, they were acting like they were believing. Okay, that's fine. Again, everybody wants real ministry till you're real. Right? Amen. Guys, we're living in a society today that we, we are going to be the most odd-looking folks on the face of the planet because we're just actually believing the word simply as it is stated. And that is an anomaly, unfortunately. But, you know, God works with the remnant. Man, you want to be a remnant then. You always just want to be with God. I was talking with Laura Lee before service. I said, we have a history book. That I don't care how rebellious people were and how bad societies were, even to the point of flooding. God had somebody yes. believing. 
Amen. So just choose to be that one. Say, I'm going to be that one. I'll be of that group. I am the believing group. I am the righteous believing group. Everybody can go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm the righteous believing group. Everybody can backslide out of their covenant. I am going to believe God. Right? Because it's amazing what God can do with little. Hallelujah. So, you know, just because the majority seems like they're lost or the majority of the church seems like they're in error, I'm hopeful because I know what God can do with just one person. <laughs> Amen. So, again, the Father's business is to only be doing what the Father says. John chapter 14, verse 31. He says, but so that the world may know that I love the Father. So that who may know? And we're supposed to show the world the Father or Jesus. Are we not supposed to show the world Jesus? We are ambassadors for for Christ Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ 1 Corinthians 11 uh, 1 so we're supposed to imitate him so how did Jesus show the world God the Father I do exactly <laughs> I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Now, notice, a command from the Father may not be a miracle. Dad said, when I tuck in my disciples tonight, I need to go to the mountain and pray. I'm going to do exactly what he said. My dad said go to the pool of Bethesda. I'm looking for one guy, although there's a lot of people there. Did God not care for them? Sure he did. But we have no idea what was going on. See, I look across this room now, right now at all these, you as individuals, right? The Bible says the only person who knows the spirit of the man is the spirit of the man himself. So here's the thing. You know your heart. You know what's going on on the inside. You know what kind of issues are going on or not. Here's another. God knows too. So again, we say God knows my heart. You bet he does. Most of the time, though, those people that are saying that have a problem with their heart. And they say that statement as a mask. But God does know. Absolutely. Okay. And Jesus, the Lord knows what he has spoken to you about. And if you're about the Father's business, you just do it. Whether anyone sees it or not. Because if you can't do the private stuff with the Father, I mean, he's not going to entrust you. Even though it's available. Come on, you have to admit it's pretty intimidating to be in a public place. And you think you heard God say, go snatch that person out of the wheelchair. 
How's that going to work? It's going to work exactly as the Father said. But the reality is we really don't believe that. So that's why we don't snatch them out. And that's being real, right? Which means then we have to become proficient at only doing exactly what the Father says. Now, we have zealous people that do all kind of stuff. But they're not hearing God. They're just trying to do what they've heard God's done. There's a difference between hearing God and doing what he said and then hearing what he's done and trying to do it yourself. That's what the seven sons of Sceva did. I mean, does God not cast devils out of people? Is that God's will? Yes. Absolutely it's his will. And let me just throw this out. Did the disciples before they were born again able to cast devils out? Yes. It's not like it hasn't happened. Now, I understand this is Acts. I understand Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. I understand the new covenant is in play here. But at the end of the day, if they firmly believed in the name of Jesus, why could they not have gotten it to work? Well, number one, they weren't authorized because Jesus authorized them to go out and do this. Which they were only doing what Jesus said. So here's the thing. What makes miracles easy for us, what makes operating in the miraculous easy for us, what uh, anything's easy is that we only move when we hear. And here's the cool thing. God may not want you to cause a deaf person's ear to open because he has someone else he's going to do. Because he has so many kids. You don't have to single-handedly do every work that Jesus did. But you can't. You should single-handedly do exactly what he tells you to do. And put that scripture back up. If the world wants to see that, the heb that heaven's realm exists and that there is a God. Because again, can we be honest? The majority of prayers going up for our NFL player right now. The majority have no idea whether it is going to be answered. But they know it could be because they ascribe that God can do those things. Now, there are some people who know because they know what God's saying about the situation. I don't know. He's not talked to me about the situation. But he could have literally, he can literally be talking to someone about the situation, exactly what to pray, what to do, and that could be just one person on the planet right now. And that one thing is what's going to bring it to pass. Now, everybody that's in generally doing it, and they know that God can, and they want him to do it, because I get, at the end of the day, who wants people to die, right? But did theirs really bring the power? But so that the world may know that I love the Father. So not only does this show the Father, but what else does it show? It shows that he loves him. Hmm. Selah. The world wants to know that Jesus loves dad. I do exactly as he commanded me. Not because I say, I love dad. So the first thing you need to change in your love relationship with Jesus is saying, I love you, Jesus, and think that's loving him. 
Maybe you're not ready for this series. Oh, we've been so deceived with our own words. How many of you told someone you loved them and you left them? I'm talking dating. Let's stay with dating. I'm not talking about marriage, okay? I'm not getting over in that. I mean, I was a kid once. I slid across a little note. And I was that kid that I knew the answer before I slid the note. Because if I don't know the answer, you're not getting the note. Because you ain't going to embarrass me. I have done found out. You, you dig me. You want some of this right here. Sure enough, yes, I thought so. <laughs> All my insiders told me. Right? You liked them? Come on, how many of you had at least five girlfriends? Oh, good. Somebody, look, look, your wife doesn't care. She knows there was a life before her. Yeah. How many had about five boyfriends? Yeah. Man, there's more women honest than the men right now. Five every time. I had five on the side. I got you. Laura Lee had one in every country. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get it. Right. Right. I mean, you, there was someone you genuinely at that time thought, I could be with this person for the rest of my life. And then would you use the words? Those three words. But they're not with you. So we think when we say, I love Jesus, that means we really do. And that Jesus says, yep, I, I feel it. No, Jesus says, the world knows that I love that because I do exactly as he what? What translation is this? New American Standard? As he commanded me. Now, that's a tough word in the U.S. right now in most congregational churches. Oh, you don't command me. Then you don't understand the kingdom because the kingdom's not your, your democracy because we're not in a democracy, but you think we are. So most people are functioning that way, right? It's not a democracy. I mean, you have a will, but life is in his word. So I'm like, command me, because that's life. Just tell me something so that I can do it, because that's life. All right, so then John chapter 14. John 14, 23 to 24, last scripture tonight, says this. Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves, loves who? Jesus. He will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. Oh, my. There's so much in this one verse right here. I mean, it's like eradicates most Christian church preaching right here. I mean, let's live this life. Jesus answered, if anyone, conditional statement. If is a conditional. If anyone loves me, 
What proves love? He keeps my word and my father, since the son and the father are one, how do you know dad loves you? Because you're keeping Jesus' word. Well, what's Jesus' word? It's the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. So I love Jesus. Keep the word. Well, they done me wrong. I don't care what they did. What does it is written say in this situation? Keep that. Because you love Jesus, right? Oh, he knows I love him. Then keep his word. Well, now I can't do that. Then you don't love him. Don't tell me I don't love him. God knows my heart. He knows you don't love him. That's what he knows. Because you're not keeping it. Period. So quit being, fan being a fantasy. It's a fantasy. This is how people fall into wrong relationships. Because they fantasize that it's better. And it brings death. And this is why we don't have deep convictions with God and walk in his fear is because we really think it's optional to not do what he says in any situation and we still love him. And I, at the end of the day, if God told me, this is how you prove you love me, well, now how simple is that? I mean, my wife, if she literally tells me, if you do this, it, it tells me you love me. That's simple. That's simple. And I'm telling you, I probably hadn't done that the best. I need to up my game on it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if someone comes to you literally and says, this right here tells me, well, then you have an answer. And to not do it and try to convince them you love them another way. And that they're actually wrong in how they... Per now, we're human, so we can really be jacked up. I get that. But God's telling us. And he's not a man that he should lie. So he's establishing to us, this is how I know that you love me. And this is how I know the father loves you. And because of that, this is how I know we come to you. Again, quit waiting on trying to come to us. We're coming to you. I mean, that's the whole great thing about our relationship with the creator of heaven and earth is that he's like, can't wait to get down there. Can't wait to get down there. Just can't wait to get in them. I mean, we're preaching Christianity. Can't wait to go to heaven. Can't wait to go to heaven. Can't wait to go. But yet the father's saying, can't wait to get down there. Can't wait to get with them. Can't wait to be with them. And he's not, I, I don't care that they're in a suit that's going to still decay and fall off and they're not in their glorified because at the end of the day, we can trump all that. I'll renew their mind as they yield to me and we'll clean that mess up. We'll get their whole soul realm fixed and then I'll heal their body. I'll get that thing a fine running machine, man. And it'll go stay, keep them in the planet as long as they're doing that purpose. Because I want to be right there with them, right in their midst, right where they're at. But we don't want to do his word. We just want to check out and go to heaven. Verse, I'll come to him and make our abode with him. I wake up every day and I go, hey, Lord. 
Because he's right here. The Holy Spirit's in me and the word's in me. The word comes out of me. I wake up with the word in my mouth. That's awesome. But you can't wake up with the word in your mouth if you're not in the word. Verse 24. He who does not love me, just so we have clarity here, does not keep my words. Who's defining love here? Because Jesus knows that I'm about the Father's business. And the Father has a one business, doing his word. So I only do what he says. And the reason why I do what he says is because when I do what he says, it lets him know I love him. The only reason why this is a problem in the Christian church is because before the Father, before Father God was our Father, we had another daddy. And he was a liar. He's called the devil. And he has this way of convincing you that if you don't get to do it your way, you're in bondage. That you've lost your freedom. That true freedom is do what you want to do because you got to take care of yourself. Jesus speaks the opposite. He says, if man tries to save his life, he'll. But if he wants to save his life, he has to lose his life. The devil tricked Adam. I mean, not tricked him. I mean, he just told him. He said, listen, it's better to not do what the father says. You'll be more powerful. And we lived in existence doing it our way, fulfilling our own lust, doing our own feelings. And it had these weird, because again, there are aspects that God created for us that still feel great naturally, but in the soul and spirit realm, there's guilt, shame. So it gets all clouded. It feels so good. Reminds me of an old country song. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. And that's how most Christians are. Because they really just want Jesus to accept them as they are. But Jesus says, that's what I'm asking. Accept me as I am. And I'll empower you to live it my way. Because you couldn't obey me when you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Now I've made you alive unto me. You can. You can literally do exactly as I ask you to do. And show me all the time you love me. Because he who does not keep, who does not love me, does not keep my words. And the word which you hear, because he says, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Isn't that amazing? So again, it's like, Lord, you're telling me what to say and do, and they're not even your words, they're Dad's words. And he loved me so much, he sent his word to deliver them. Sent his word. The most powerful thing he could do for the 
for the human race when they got into rebellion was send his word. Because there's only one business dad has. I will keep my word. I'll keep it. It will come to pass. I guard my word to perform it. And his word's life. His word's truth. His word is the way. Wow. It's not complicated. So you have to ask yourself tonight, am I about the father's business? Am I? Am I a keeper of his word? And when I say that, I'm not saying just reading scripture. I'm saying every situation that takes place, you're having a it is written moment. Or, Dad, I don't know what to do. So I'm coming to you because I'm about your business. And in this situation, you have a word for me that will deliver me out of all my trouble. Because you love me. And I love you. And I need your word to keep. I need a word right now. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.